Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, Governor Albert Bryan Jr. has lifted the no-drink advisory on the St. Croix Potable Water Distribution System. The U.S. Forest Service awards $6.5 million in grant funding to the Virgin Islands. The Water and Power Authority announces partnerships that aim to reduce energy costs in the Virgin Islands. These stories and more on today's WTJX Newsfeed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System Studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. During Governor Albert Bryan Jr.'s sixth State of the Territory address on Monday, he announced the lifting of the no-drink advisory issued on the St. Croix Public's water system. It is our firm belief that the original round of testing conducted used incorrect methodology. The apparatus used to collect the samples at the meter box caused tiny shards of metal to become free and contaminate the samples that were sent off for, for testing. Plainly stated, the, water the way the water samples were collected created misleading results and led to the high levels of lead and copper reported. He continued that proper testing methodology yielded more accurate results, but also acknowledged the separate issue of the brown water facing residents. We do not believe that we have a water crisis caused by the lead and copper in the system. We do acknowledge that water in the parts of the distribution system on both islands are discolored and therefore unfit for consumption. It's been this way for the last 20 years. We have clearly heard the frustration of the residents who have to cope with brown water from their taps. It's simple. We are getting rusty water in areas where we have rusty pipes. But the solution is equally simple. WAPA must replace the rusty pipes. Governor Bryan mentioned the Water and Power Authority's completion of the Clifton Hill Waterline Rehabilitation Project on St. Croix and estimated the replacement project in Campo Rico is expected to be finished by March and the replacement project in Hannah's Rest to begin in March as well. The contract is in negotiation for waterline extension and rehabilitation work on Northside Road, also expected to begin in 24. On St. Thomas, progress is be being made on waterline extension and projects in Dunu as well as Nazareth. These projects are part of a program of replacing aging and corroded metal pipes with PVC pipes. These projects, he said, started before the state of emergency was declared on the water system. The Virgin Islands Department of Agriculture and the U.S. Forest Service announced the awarding of grant funding to local organizations at a press conference today at Government House. Beatra Wilson, the assistant director of the Urban and Community Forest Campaign, said it's the Biden administration's effort to invest in communities impacted by global warming. Thanks to President Joe Biden and this administration, we are investing in America's urban forests. Over a billion dollars has been awarded for urban and community forests across the country. And I am here this morning along with colleagues and partners to celebrate $6.5 million coming to the Virgin Islands. Last April, $1.5 million was awarded to the Virgin Islands Department of Agriculture's 
Urban and Community Forestry Program. After we announced a billion dollar competition, a national competition, um, there were two proposals in the Virgin Islands, St. George Village Botanical Garden. Congratulations. We were there yesterday, we'll be there again later this afternoon, $2.5 million. Tree planting and maintenance, restoration, resilience, community engagement and education. We're so pleased to have you as a partner and excited about the work you're about to pursue. The Virgin Islands Trail Alliance is in the room. Congratulations, $2.5 million to expand and enhance the work you are doing across the island. Ms. Wilson says both organizations competed in a pool of 840-plus applicants to receive the grants. Representatives of the Virgin Islands government, the Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority, and independent energy contractors announced a collaboration on what they say promises to transform the way energy is produced in the territory. WAPA's Chief Executive Officer Andrew Smith says the authority is continuing its work to transform the energy grid. We're very close to completing the Wartzilla Phase II generation that's funded by a grant from HUD. Uh, that will improve the efficiency of our generation on St. Thomas by approximately 40%. So we'll burn a lot less fuel. We're turning to St. Croix here in the new year to take under that, undertake that exact same endeavor to burn less fuel. He says the need to utilize renewable energy would aid in reducing spending with the authority. Sun is free, wind is free. Um, we look forward to having up to almost 50% of our electricity generated from solar and renewable resources in the territory. Mr. Smith revealed that the authority has power purchase agreements with VI Electron to purchase electricity off of the solar farms they are developing. Power purchase agreements are very attractive to WAPA because WAPA does not have to commit a dollar to a project until there's a, a, a kilowatt hour of electricity being delivered. We pay for that electricity when it comes to us. The other piece that's very critical in a renewable energy strategy is to have battery storage. That battery storage would come from the company Honeywell, with its president and CEO, Lucien Boldea, sharing that the batteries are being delivered to the territory. We're delivering 27 containers in total. Uh, five will happen later this year, and then we're going to complete the project. So 124 megawatts of power that will be installed here on the island, which will make a meaningful difference to the citizens here. VI Electron President Christian Loringer stated that the projects would increase the reliability and affordability of power generation in the Virgin Islands. Upgrading the grid is not an option. For example, transformers that three years ago cost $60,000 and took eight weeks to arrive now cost $500,000 and take over a year and a half to arrive. Upgrading the lines and substations will take decades. He stated that VI Electron was a local company helping to shape the future of energy in the territory. VI Electron is a Virgin Islands company. And in the next two years, we will be completing all of the solar and battery projects in the territory. 140 megawatts DC of solar, 125 megawatt hours of battery, decreasing the cost of power to the Water and Power Authority substantially, which will lead to the lowest price power in the Caribbean, while increasing the quality of the power and decreasing the price that the ratepayer will pay for that power. Mr. Loringer also shared plans for future projects in the territory. One of our next exciting projects, which will be announced shortly, is a 100,000 metric ton per year green ammonia plant 
uh, operating out of the southwest United States. And again, I want to be very clear. This is not a company operating out of the United States with a few people from the Virgin Islands working there. This is a Virgin Islands company that is operating out of the Virgin Islands with Virgin Islanders running the engineering, project management, financing, and negotiations. Frontier Airlines began offering services in the territory out of St. Thomas in June of 2021. Frontier CEO Barry Biffle announced the expansion of services out of St. Croix. We're really excited about being in the U.S. Virgin Islands. You know, we started service to St. Thomas a while back, and we've been really successful there. And so we're building on that success and uh, starting service from St. Croix uh, to San Juan, uh, which is kind of a new base and a new gateway for us. So you'll have the new nonstop service on Tuesday, Thursdays, and Sundays, and that'll also connect to Miami and Orlando. Inaugural flights out of St. Croix to San Juan will start at just $19 one way. Frontier has the lowest cost in the industry, so you can always count on us to have the lowest prices. Uh, but uh, if you're interested in going at the lowest price, obviously this introductory is going to be the lowest. But uh, you can count on us to continue to have low prices from here forward. You're listening to the WTJX News Feed. Discussing specific challenges like disaster recovery during the state of the territory, Governor Albert Bryan Jr. stated that at the present pace, it would take the territory about 20 years to complete the recovery projects. He shared the administration's goal to at least double the estimated $500 million presently being spent annually by launching Rebuild USVI, which is aimed at expediting the timeline of reconstruction efforts. We're estimating the total cost of reconstruction for the hurricanes to ultimately approach $15 billion or more. $15 billion! That is a monumental task for any community to manage. As a core strategy, Rebuild USVI will group many of the top priority recovery projects into billion-dollar bundles for procurement. This initiative has three major goals. One, to attract some of the largest general contractors in the nation who can secure the necessary performance bonds on projects and bring resources and people to the islands. Two, to systematically resolve the logistical challenges and supply chain issues that have driven up project costs, discouraged contractor interest, and slowed recovery efforts. And three, to solidify manpower and capacity issues by transforming our project management office into a super project management office to coordinate high-priority recovery projects. Senator Donna Fred Gregory stated the initiative sounded well-intentioned, but did have some concern. I am concerned about, I didn't really hear that we were really pushing that workforce development initiative, but I do suspect that, you know, once those contractors come into the Virgin Islands, they will be, the, 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 um, the contract has to require that they hire locals. But he did share that, you know, we have a shortage on the amount of people that we have in the Virgin Islands, the shortage of our workforce. So um, we, I, I'm looking forward to see what that will look like. But it was one thing that he did not talk about when it comes to bringing in those contractors is where are they going to live? Where are they going to stay? So I'm looking forward to hearing what that will look like and whatever we can do from a legislative perspective to support that. Um, I'm very happy to do that. Delegate to Congress Stacey Plaskett stated she looked forward to learning more about the governor's Rebuild USVI initiative. This is something that has been done in other jurisdictions, so there is precedent for it. Um, but I think what will be important is to find out the actual um, mechanisms by which that's used. You know, uh, we have all been frustrated 
at the rate of um, how funding has not only just been obligated, but particularly how it's been drawn down and utilized. And so, um, you know, I, I would want to see the details. A shooting incident on the island of St. Thomas led to an auto collision. VIPD Media Relations Coordinator Kishma Chichester has the details. At approximately 1.41 p.m. on Monday, January 22, 2024, the Patrol Division, Traffic Bureau, and Criminal Investigation Bureau were dispatched to Anna's retreat to investigate an auto collision and assault first incident. The victim told detectives that while driving his girlfriend's vehicle, he was struck when shots were fired. In an attempt to avoid further injury, he sped off, however, collided with two vehicles at the intersection. The victim stated he did not know who fired shots at him. Persons with information about this incident are encouraged to call 911, the Criminal Investigation Bureau at 340-774-2211, or directly contact Detective Bedminister at 340-774-2211, extension 5577. Additional tips can be provided to Crime Stoppers VI at 1-800-222-8477. This morning, Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley stumped for votes of Virgin Islanders ahead of the territory's caucus. Chairman of the Virgin Islands Republican Party, Gordon Ackley, says the caucus position has garnered attention for the territory. With New Hampshire voting last night, the Virgin Islands caucus is on February 8th. It's the next up. Uh, it'll make uh, the Virgin Islands third overall uh, primary caucus in 2024 which has uh, resulted in a lot of attention for the Virgin Islands for the very first time. Uh, this morning's candidate is the second presidential candidate uh, to campaign in the territory. Ms. Haley addressed attendees first by remarking on the state of inflation in the country. I look at the situation that we have in our country and it's tough and you don't have to turn on the news to see it. You feel it. You feel it when you go to the grocery store. You feel it when you go to the gas station. You feel it in your mortgage payment, your insurance payment. Everything has gone up. And I would love to tell you that Biden did that to us. But I've always spoken in hard truths, and I'm going to do that with you today. Our Republicans did that to us, too. You go back and look at that $2.2 trillion COVID stimulus bill that was passed with no accountability that expanded welfare that's now left us with 80 million Americans on Medicaid, 42 million Americans on food stamps. That's a third of our country. And did Republicans try and make it right? No, they doubled down and opened up pet projects and earmarks for the first time in 10 years. Speaking specifically to the territory, she made reference to China's growing relationship in the Caribbean region. I worked with China every single day at the United Nations. They never saw us as a competitor. They always saw us as an enemy. We've got to start looking at them the way they look at us. And it is really important for the Virgin Islands because we see what they've done with the Belt and Road Initiative. We've seen what they've done in the fact that they've got eyes on ports, on military installations, on utilities, waiting for, for places not to be able to pay this. And then they run up the debt and say, okay, you have to give me these things. They are getting incredibly aggressive. And we need to make sure that we are protecting you and keeping you strong so that they can't come in and try and, and maneuver in on the island. So that's hugely important that we have got to keep our eye on that.
In a seemingly quick turnaround from our conversation just yesterday with VI Lottery Executive Director Raymond Williams, the lottery office announced that operations has resumed after working to safeguard their information technology system after experiencing a breach. We uh, resumed operations this morning at 8 o'clock. Um, we spent, as you know, the last few days trying to restore all our data and, and all the other aspects that goes along with bringing these systems back online. Uh, we're just keeping our fingers crossed that everything continues to work well. Or, you know, We're happy to see our customers and our, our dealers back this morning to purchase tickets and, and stuff like that. On Friday, drawing for ticket number 1025 will be held. Also on Friday, ticket number 1026, which will be our Adfair uh, Valentine weekend drawing, will go on sale on Friday. Um, because we've had almost a week delay in drawing number 1025, uh, the next drawing would have ordinarily been on February 1, which would have been a two-week cover period. We'll, we're just pushing those drawings all the way out. The next draw after the drawing on Friday will be on the 15th of February and not on the 1st. The Virgin Islands Office of Cannabis Regulations announced that the registry is now open and available on their website, ocr.vi.gov. The registry will support the licensing and registration of practitioners, sacramental organizations, medicinal patients, sacramental users, and cannabis business agents. The registry is presently only open to practitioners and sacramental organizations, but will open to patients and sacramental users of cannabis in April and then in June or July for cannabis business agents. The Office of Cannabis Regulations will also host what they call a four-part fireside chat series, which aims to incorporate key stakeholders in conversations around the cannabis industry. The sessions will be done virtually over Zoom, and details can be found on the ocr.vi.gov website under the News and Updates tab. The meeting for practitioners will be held tomorrow, January 25th at 6 p.m. And for sacramental organizations, the meeting will be held on February 1st. For medicinal patients, the meeting will be held on February 15th. And for sacramental users of cannabis, the meeting will be held on February 29th. Registration for the meeting is not required. And again, the link for the meeting can be found at ocr.vi.gov. The American Red Cross, the Virgin Islands Fire Service, and additional community partners are teaming up for home fire safety events happening on St. Croix and St. Thomas. We spoke with Lily Alvarez, the Virgin Islands Red Cross Disaster Program Manager on St. Croix, about the upcoming events. The home fire safety event is called Sound the Alarm, and that's when the American Red Cross goes out into the community installing smoke detectors, smoke alarms. We've been doing this with the national level from since 2014. And we go around different communities on St. Croix, St. Thomas, and St. John installing smoke alarms um, to alleviate any deaths or injuries that might be caused due to home fires. The Home Fire Safety Initiative was first launched in 2014 and is of no cost to residents. When we go out to the community and we install smoke alarms, they're at no charge. So we conduct three things per household. We install 
there's a maximum of three smoke alarms per home. We uh, provide education. Uh, we speak to the homeowner um, about prevention of home fires, and we speak to them a little bit about making a plan if there was, a, for example, a fire, because it only takes one instance, right? So if there's a home fire, what would be the evacuation plan? And so we discuss that with them as well as preparedness for other disasters. The events will happen simultaneously on St. Croix and St. Thomas this Saturday, January 27th. On St. Croix, it's going to cover the area of Campo Rico and Estates Wim. In St. Thomas, it's going to cover the area of Smith Bay. But please note, if you're not in the particular areas that we're covering this Saturday, anyone that's in need in the community can call in. So they can call our offices, and we also do installation by appointment. So we don't want anyone to be at home needing smoke alarms when we're able to provide the service. It is at no cost. They can call the St. Thomas office at 774-0375, or they can call the St. Croix office at 778-5104. Ms. Alvarez stated that anyone interested in volunteering for the Red Cross can utilize those numbers to get involved. As we make our way down the news feed, we're turning now to our regional report. Legislators in Puerto Rico have opened a public debate on a bill to explicitly prohibit discrimination against hairstyles such as cornrows and afros, and it sparked a heated debate. Local government officials argue the legislation is unnecessary because federal and local laws have already banned such discrimination. But Puerto Rican activists said at a hearing that the island's Afro-Caribbean community still face discrimination and needs explicit protection when it comes to public services, work, education, and housing. Julia Llanos Bultron, a teacher who wears cornrows, said that a school in the northeast town of Fajardo offered her a job last year on the condition that she cut her hair because they didn't allow locks. She declined the position. Government officials have noted that the island's laws and constitution, along with Title VII of the Civil Rights Acts, protect from discrimination. But a precedent was set in 2016 when a U.S. Court of Appeals dismissed a discrimination lawsuit after finding that an employer's no-dreadlock policy in Alabama did not violate Title VII. The debate over the bill is expected to continue in the upcoming weeks. Winds will remain strong with gusts up to 35 miles per hour. We're turning now to the territory's weather forecast. Here's the latest look at the short-term forecast for the Virgin Islands. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. It's partly sunny area-wide this afternoon. There will be scattered showers, especially towards sunset. Highs will reach the upper 80s at St. Croix. Winds remain strong from the east-northeast at 20 to 25, with gusts close to 30 miles per hour. At St. Thomas and St. John, highs are similar in the middle to upper 80s. Winds, though, stronger from the east-northeast, close to 30 miles per hour, gusts 35 to 40. The rip current risk is high to very high for areas beaches this afternoon. Tonight, scattered showers continue under mostly cloudy skies area-wide. Lows fall back into the middle 70s at St. Croix. Winds from the east-northeast at 20 to 25 with gusts close to 30. At St. Thomas and St. John, similar story. Winds remain strong from the east-northeast up to 30 miles per hour. Gusts close to 35. And we'll find sunshine increasing during the day on Thursday after showers taper off. Highs reach the middle 80s at St. Croix. Winds from the east-northeast 
at 20 to 25, gusts close to 35. And at St. Thomas and St. John, we'll find highs also in the middle 80s. Winds from the east-northeast a bit weaker between 25 and 30, though gusts will approach 35 to 40 in the afternoon. That's the latest look at the short-term forecast. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. We are at the end of today's WTJX newsfeed. I'm Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. And if you haven't already, be sure to download the WTJX app. If you missed a part of our news, you can listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts.